Hey, what's up, guys? It's Dorothy, and you're listening to The Itch. You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week we are scratching the itch for a spiritual experience. (laughs) I've heard a lot of people compare concerts, rock shows and things like that to like a spiritual experience of sorts. And our guest this week, her band and their new album is very literally that. We were joined this week by Dorothy who put out an album called Gifts from the Holy Ghost earlier this year that deals with the journeys of addiction and faith and acceptance and uh, a lot of very powerful themes. So it was a pleasure to have her with us. Definitely was. And real quick, we want, I wanted to, to touch on this because we, we definitely, definitely appreciate Dorothy's time. But it, it kind of drove home how spoiled we are when it comes to interviews because <laughs> one only one other time have has there ever been a restriction on on an interview like a mandatory hey i only have this much time and that was our first interview that we ever did yeah and even then uh sean went longer than he said he was going to but uh but on this one we legit only had like a half hour yeah and so we had to to cut a little bit that we wanted to get to. Yeah, we were excited to have Dorothy on. She had such a powerful message when we saw her live. We wanted to have her on to elaborate more on that. And it was just, it, for one, it was amazing to be able to speak with her and understand a lot more about what she went through and, and, and what inspires her. So yeah, we were just blessed to have her on, even though she uh, didn't have much time. We do understand that we are respectable of everyone's time, uh, which, you know, we technically are, we're on a, a time limit too. Like we didn't say yeah. this, but I was on lunch from work. And so I just wanna, yeah. like, I didn't want to like go over uh, too long as well. But yeah, you're, you're right. We've have been blessed to have been able to talk freely uh, with lots and lots of artists. So it was really a, a new experience for us to try to have to cut questions and try to prioritize us on the go. Right. Um, so that one was was fun in, in this experience and just try, it was it was like a learning experience for us as well. Also, it just it left a lot of topics available for further discussion in the future. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. So somewhere down the line, we're going to have to bring Dorothy back on and, and revisit a few a few things that we only got to scratch the surface of this time. I want to note I didn't think about this until probably during the interview, but I noticed. Well, first of all, we welcome Dorothy to the Trifecta Club. Being artists who we have done album reviews, live show reviews, and interviews with. And by that, I mean that we have an episode that we've been sitting on for a few weeks and haven't published (laughs) where we did get to see her recent tour with Dirty Honey. So we're going to be posting that one here as a a companion to this one. So she will have a live episode, an interview, and an album episode. You can go back to episode 109. If you want to hear us talk about gifts from the Holy Ghost, as well as albums from the Nova Twins and The Warning. And even though you guys are the ones that got to see her live and in person at this recent tour, I remembered earlier today that we talked about her and the performance at Rockville last year. And that's in episode 77. Yep. And I distinctly recall saying, as I thought about it, that she was my favorite performance of that day. And I think that honestly was my introduction to. Dorothy and the band. 
mine as well, actually. And and I, that was one thing I really wanted to dive into further um, because another interview that I saw, like she had no idea because they got bumped later in the day on mm-hmm. that show. And I, I didn't realize that either. You know, we were watching it through the stream all day. And so she said that, like, you know, they were expecting to go out to a small crowd and they walked out to like 30 to 40,000 people. Yeah. Right. I was just amazed by that. And she killed it. She said she didn't even have like because she mentioned it in our interview that she consistently has like issues with her uh, ear things. Uh, I yeah. don't remember what she called them specifically. But yeah, she said in another interview, she had that same issue at the Welcome to Rockville show and just went with her instinct. And, and it was I mean, obviously, she killed it. She nailed it. Like she gained two fans out of me and Aaron at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, she's an amazing person. And I hope she leans more into her, her talents and, and she's definitely worked for it. And I hope that she just continues to kick ass and take names. Agreed. There you go. So without any further ado, it's Dorothy Saka. Thank you very much for listening. We are here with Dorothy and I'm super excited. For one, I wanted to kind of start off right away to talk that me and you actually have similar paths in our life. From what I understand, you were raised by a very strong, independent woman for um, a lot of the time, just you and your mom. And then I I believe your stepfather came into your life and influenced your musical influences, uh, which is kind of my story as well. So I'm just really kind of curious, like, was there a single point where you wanted to be a singer, and I'm sure that, you know, maybe when you were young, every kid kind of has that dream, but was there a point that you remember that you wanted to be a singer? And then was there another point that it kind of came into fruition and, and that's when you kind of put your foot down and said, this is exactly what I'm doing? Yeah. You know what? I grew up around a lot of classic records. I just loved music and I loved to sing. Um, I wasn't very good at it. So I had to learn <laughs> and teach myself it's like a muscle, you know, it's like going to the gym and finding, you know, the proper ways to use your voice. And, you know, later on uh, in my late teens, I picked up an acoustic guitar and basically looked at my friend's chord cheat sheet, learned how to play like C, A, G, D, you know, F, (laughs) all the basic guitar chords. And then I realized, I think I want to write songs. And to me, that's like the funnest part of my job is writing the songs. But I battled with a lot of uh, insecurity and self-doubt for for years because the world tells you, you know, they try to condition you into what the world wants you to be, which will kind of fit the system and serve other people, not you. And But I always had this dream and I wasn't entirely sure it was possible, but the catalyst for me really getting off my ass and going for it was my stepdad had been sick with cancer for about a year. And um, he kind of passed away suddenly and it was not pretty. And I was in a very tormenting, abusive relationship um, in every way, but physical. And I was in a really difficult place. I was just like, not sure what I was going to do with my life. But then that dream 
like, you know, I, I like to think that God's plans are bigger than my plans. So I don't know what happened. I think it just kind of lit a fire in me. I got off my ass and I'm like, I can't be living the way I've been living. It's not sustainable. I want to make music. And I don't know what got into me. I pulled a binder out of my closet and this contact sheet fell out. And looking back now, like I'm, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I believe that was the hand of God because this sheet fell out and it had all these industry contacts on it. And one of them was George Robertson, who was, uh, he was an A&R at Interscope. And when I reached out to him, he was no longer at Interscope, but he was able to kind of manage me and get my foot in the door. He introduced me to the guys that produced Rock is Dead. He introduced me to Jay Brown, who signed me to Rock Nation. And it was just a crazy experience, you know, to go from being sort of this vagabond in life of not not really living right, you know, not really feeling like I had a sense of purpose to all of a sudden I'm in the studio writing an album and I'm signed to uh, Rock Nation. It was kind of crazy. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. I, you know, I really did struggle with a lot of self-doubt and insecurity as a kid and as a teen and as even as a young adult, you know, not thinking it was possible, like thinking that those people that are doing it are so much bigger than me. But um, I just... I feel like everybody's life is significant. Everyone has a purpose. And I, I really thoroughly enjoy songwriting and I'm always pushing myself to be better. So I'm really glad that I took the chance and, and made the jump. Yeah, we're definitely going to jump in and discuss a little bit more about that. But we wanted to at least touch on this right out at the gate. Um, Dan and I saw you recently, uh, early October in St. Louis at uh, Red Flag. Right and it was a phenomenal show. It was a special homecoming for your guitarist, Sam Colton. And uh, something that really stuck out watching you perform is that you did a picture perfect job of commanding the stage and connecting with every person in the room, uh, making eye contact with everyone throughout the show. So I just wanted to uh, touch on that and say that we were really impressed by your live performance. And thank you for, for giving St. Louis such a great experience. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And we love Sam. You guys should have him on your show. I mean, yeah, he's a, he's from St. Louis and I couldn't do any of this without the musicians that are on stage with me. They're just wonderful. And, you know, um, I don't know something comes over me when I get on that stage and you, you could be having the worst day in the world, but when you see people looking at you and you really connect with them, cause we're all busy kind of looking at our phones, you know, yeah, yeah. We're, all yep. distracted, we're all distracted and we're all kind of like plugged into the matrix. And I think that that's our opportunity to really connect, especially the younger generations that seem to be, you know, really lonely, really isolated. I mean, uh, forgive my my boldness but we have a fentanyl epidemic in this country that's just through the roof mm -hmm. and i think it's because of the you know our technology is moving faster than our maturity and our spirituality and um in a in ways it's great you know you get all this access to information and see things and experience things you wouldn't have otherwise but in another sense it's kind of shutting us down into these really automated little bubbles and uh, so at a show, it's like, I feel like our purpose is to break people out of that. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny you mentioned having Sam on our show. We were we were going to do that. And then your PR person sent us an email about your new video. So then we're like, hey, we're going to just see if we can get you on here. And lo and behold, you're here. So <laughs> <laughs> look at us. Sam's next on the list, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'll let him know. I think he's a wonderful just such a wonderful human being. You should definitely have him on your show. We will. Awesome. Do you find it easier to connect with a crowd in a smaller venue or, cause I know you've been playing 
different types of shows, big events, smaller shows. So in those intimate type shows, is it easier to connect to a crowd or what are the types of things, the differences that you like playing a small venue as opposed to a larger venue? You know, it, it can be, it can be more intimate. I really like theaters. Um, I'm the worst with my in-ears. I struggle with them. Uh, I've got a great sound guy, but I don't have an in-ear monitor doing just that job. So Scott Cameron, who's usually on tour with us, he does a really good in-ear mix, but I get so frustrated. I pull them out because I want to hear the room and feel the room. And as opposed to like a really small uh, club or a huge stadium, you know, the sound varies and the more comfortable I am, the more I cannot think about it. And then that makes it more possible for me to pay attention to the crowd and connect with them rather than worry about what I'm hearing. So definitely I've played some horrible sounding venues and I get so mad and then I, <laughs> <laughs> and I just rip out my ears or, uh, or, and I've played some incredible sounding venues and I can't tell you, there's so many variables that go into it. I really can't tell you what causes what other than I've learned some tricks along the way. You know, I learned a lot from Mark from Dirty Honey. We just got off the California Dreaming Tour a few weeks ago. And he is so solid and consistent vocally every, every freaking night. I'm like, damn it. Like, (laughs) you know, I want to, I want to be that consistent, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I don't know. I have good ears and, the question I'm fearing off topic here. The question is oh, connecting with the crowd. You know, when someone gets highlighted in the audience, it's, I can't explain it. It's like this light shines on them, but it's not an action. It's not like someone's actually shining a spotlight on them. It's like, they kind of light up for me is it's so weird. Then usually I, sometimes I'll get like a message for that person that needs to be told to them, or I'll just have a really nice, moment of love and connection with them Mm. um and i just don't know why or how but i kind of trust it and scott stapp we played a festival uh and scott stapp was there and i met him he's so awesome and he told me i was just like blown away by his energy and how radiant and glow the guy is like he reminds me of jesus he's like so (laughs) glowing like he just emanates this wonderful radiant energy and i and he that was one of the best shows i was so happy i was losing my damn mind like watching them perform i couldn't believe it i i cried i had tears i mean i haven't listened to creed or scott step in years and when i saw them i was like this is the real deal they are really channeling some sort of power and i just asked him like what's what are you doing and he's like i'm just trusting I'm just like trusting my instincts. And then I have this lyric in gifts from the Holy ghost. I should listen to my own damn advice where it says, (laughs) let the spirit move you. And I'm like, yeah, that's what he's doing. That's literally what he's doing. I wrote about it in a song and I wish I could be more consistent with it. So I think that's something that, you know, that's being worked on with me through music, but um, yeah. Connecting with the audience is like the best part. There you go. Yeah. Let's uh, jump into Gifts from the Holy Ghost a little bit. It's a phenomenal album. You've been very open about a lot of the things that went into making the album and and stuff that happened before making the album, even dealing with the pandemic and illness and relapse, suicidal thoughts, relationship issues. But on one hand, you had all that going on. 
but then you have so many awesome creative force that that went into making this album and you have a nice uh correlation with the opening track and the the closing track uh beautiful life and gifts from the holy ghost it's kind of the the ongoing theme of the album so can you tell us a little bit more about the the structure and flow of how it came about Sure. Yeah. I mean, life, life definitely influences art and I, you know, I'm trying to not, it's kind of funny. I literally went through hell to bring you guys this record. So uh, I'm going to talk about it and it makes for a good good story. Would I want to relive it? Not really. Like I went Mm -hmm. through hell. I mean, so, but then I look back and I realized like uh, other people are going through hell. I wrote songs to help them hopefully feel some hope and and not kill themselves or not you know not relapse or not take that fentanyl or that drink and um you know maybe like plant some seeds to put a little bit of hope and strength in their life you know i was like i don't care if it wins a grammy i mean secretly i do but like i don't care (laughs) the bigger purpose of this record is not to win awards and be number one and and win you know all that's great all that's nice but the bigger purpose of the album is uh one i was challenging myself as a songwriter i was challenging myself as a vocalist um if i didn't like something i went back and fucking redid it excuse my language and (laughs) you're good that's why I uh, that's why I was adamant about redoing my vocals with Joseph McQueen because we we have a flow in our work where it just it's just the, the business like it's just the magic sauce that happens and then Chris Lord Algae came on you know we started the album I've been writing I've been writing a lot with Keith Wallen from Breaking Benjamin oh yeah is the reason this album happened because I spent about a year just writing with him and just looking forward to our sessions. When I didn't know what was going to, I was so aimless. I had parted ways with my management. I didn't have a manager. I didn't know. I'd gone through a wretched breakup. I went on a a three month long tour with Breaking Benjamin. I come home, I'm freaking exhausted. And I had been, I had been suicidal right before that tour. And then it was time to make another record. And I just Mm. felt dead inside. And I was like, what am I going to do? I didn't know where I was going to go, what I was going to do, but writing with Keith, gave me hope. And we wrote a lot of songs. I wish more of them had made the record. I think that we're just putting those away for another time, but that gave me a lot of hope. He's a wonderful friend. And so basically really the album cycle started with him. And then I, you know, bopped around. I went to Brooklyn during the middle of lockdown in New York, which was crazy um and went to (laughs) studio g and then i recorded a bunch there and then i thought maybe this isn't quite exactly what i wanted like let's go more this direction so you know i'm like hey chris lord algae uh could you help us out and like produce this and mix it and he brought phil x in and you know i ran around writing with like scott stevens and um trevor lukather who is a friend and uh, all these amazing people, all these amazing guys just c- converged on my record. And um, and then Chris did this incredible mix. So it, it all fell into place. I wish, really, I wish I had gotten to get like a big church choir on uh, Gifts from the Holy Ghost to sing those background vocals. But because of COVID and all that crap, yeah, it was not meant to happen. Uh, you know, it, I wanted it to sound like Madonna's Like a Prayer yeah. with this big gang of choir behind me but we did what we could with what we had. And I thought, you know, I'm really proud of it. I'm really yeah. proud of this record. So I'm glad you appreciate it. You still get that vibe. And that's whenever I hear that song, I think I mentioned it to these guys, the same thing. I was like, it sounds, it still has this vibe of like a gospel choir going on in the background. And that's a really cool way to, to close out that album. Yeah. 
Good. Maybe I'll make a gospel record. There you go. Do it. Do it. There you can win some awards. <laughs> There's no rules. Yeah. Do whatever. <laughs> I like to think that you're like similar to Ozzy Osbourne because you always surround yourself with great musicians, whether it's the artists helping you in the studios or the live musicians that you take on the road. There's just immense talent all around you, including, as you mentioned, fellow ship rockers, Keith Wallen, and I believe Jason Hook also helped you on another song. Yes. You mentioned earlier that you truly enjoy the writing process. So how does having that many influences help you personally and your creative process? Man, I like to think of it like they set up this wave that I can surf, you know, um, <laughs> you when, yeah, it's like when someone just, for example, we wrote Gifts from the Holy Ghost, the song it used to be called Spokane Fire. And we wrote it while Spokane was actually on fire. It was Eli Wolfmeyer, Owen Berry, Elliot Larango. We were on tour with Greta Van Fleet in Washington. I think it was the Knitting Factory. We've been back there a few times. And every time I go, it's like Washington's always on fire. So the <laughs> sky is orange. Everything smells like smoke. I don't know. It's just like this energy in the air. And at Soundcheck, Eli Wolfmeyer is the reason that riff exists and that song exists he starts playing it and i'm screaming gibberish into the microphone but we're we're recording it right and it was like this melody that i was trying to sound kind of like robert plant or something and i was just like (laughs) screaming yelling gibberish and it was kind of this cool melody i saved it i went back and i go oh this is what it sounds like i'm saying so i like translated my mumbo jumbo Mm -hmm. and then that was the last song to be finished because i didn't have the chorus and i didn't have the album title but when i i was Fast forward, I was in Brooklyn. I woke up in my hotel room and the first thing I thought was gifts from the Holy Ghost. Now, I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't saved. I wasn't reading the Bible. I I didn't know what the Holy Ghost was. I had no fucking idea what the gifts were. Like, I didn't know. I just thought it sounded cool. And I go, oh, that's the title to my record. Um, This mainstream rock record, you know, that has nothing to do with all that. But then I, I inserted that line into the song and I go, oh, the song's finished. That's the title of the record. That was a nice puzzle piece that just fell into place. So that's how I named it. And I thought it was, you know, it just came together really nicely. If I can stay on that path, now that you kind of kind of brought that up. One thing that we've noticed in listening to the album, listening to your interviews, and is how open you are about this connection between your music and your journey, your faith, as well as your demons, all of these things interacting. So as a person, you know, of faith myself and who has had my own demons and walked with people through some pretty dark stuff. I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the relationship between the two. So you've talked about how guilt and shame are really things that keep people in the dark, especially when it comes to things like addiction. Yeah. And at the same time, like, well, the core of like the Christian faith is the idea of God's overwhelming love for us, which you've also kind of spoken to. And, you know, Jesus covers our sins and our shame and reunites us into that relationship with God. Right. So what I'm curious about, you know, in my own life and my own struggles, there are times when I can intellectually believe the idea, okay, I I believe that I'm loved and forgiven. But at the same time, those nagging feelings of guilt and shame can still be present when it comes to dealing with your past and your failures and all those things. So um, in your experience, what has been that relationship as you've been growing uh, between the ideas of guilt and the idea of grace? So I like to look at it like, when your eyes are opened, you see the spiritual warfare and, you know, the devil likes to lie to you in your own voice about the battlefield is the mind Mm -hmm. and the devil likes to lie to you in your own voice. And that could be like, you know, alcoholism and that disease likes to lie to you in your own voice. And you're thinking like, uh, I'm thinking about picking up that drink, you know, but 
that's why what you speak out into the atmosphere has so much power and you can redirect yourself back to be in alignment with God's word. And, and what does he think about you? What does, you know, how does he feel about you? And you're not this, you're that, you know? And um, when a battle is too big, like I have discernment where I can sense like, is this an attack? Like, is this a battle that's about to start? What season am I entering into? Mm. Or what did I do to give, what did I do to give the enemy legal authority to enter my life and fuck with me? Um, and I do cut, yeah, whatever I cuss, like we're not perfect, you know, You're good. but you know, what did I do to um, give, give him legal entry to mess with me? And um, you just have to remember that, you know, God is bigger than all of that. And you can turn the battle over to him and he'll fight your battles for you. And so, he will allow us to go through things because it, you know, it might be something that he doesn't like, right. It might be something that's painful. It might be something that's ugly, but it serves the greater purpose in our life. Mm. How many people have walked through fire just to get to the other side to tell people like I made it, I didn't die. You got this, you know, if those people weren't there, we would be hopeless. Yeah. So I hope that that makes sense, you know? Um, Yeah. 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 And that, and they don't want us to have that hope in something greater because that would unite all of the world. And that would be, make us completely uncontrollable. We wouldn't be, you know, slaves to government. We wouldn't be like, if we had a hope and a faith and a connection in something bigger, all of us together, that, I mean, that would literally be the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. Yeah. Now, well said. Thank you. Yeah. We appreciate you being very honest and open about this because it, one of the things that our podcast always tries to focus on is just making sure that there's awareness out there. We always have a message that we like putting out there is that the world's better with you in. And I think you've kind of had similar messages, especially within your music. Uh, and so we just wanted to, for one, just thank you that, that you are open, that you are somebody to look forward to that, you know, that people that have had similar struggles can relate to and just see, you know, how or what different ways to come out the other side. And I just want to thank you for that. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you. Happy to be of service. <laughs> <laughs> How we usually close out our interviews, we call these the rapid fire questions. So you can actually keep them as brief as you choose. And I'm going to actually trim it down if it's okay to just two for right now. Oh, can I plug, can I plug my new song? Yes. Yes, please do. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So to everybody that's listening, we just dropped Black Sheep. It's a song for the rock community because you're our family. We love you so much. The video is on YouTube. Go check it out and join our Black Sheep gang. All right. There you go. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Before we let you go, I want to know a couple things really quick. Okay. Um, one, uh, a song or album that changed your life. Ooh. Oh, Thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh, nice. So you got so excited yes. that I think we're going to have to have you back to go more in depth on that. <laughs> yeah. Just right. on that and go from there. <laughs> All right. That's a quality choice. You can't go wrong with that. And in a completely different direction, we looked into your IMDb because uh, you have an IMDb. You've done some spots. Oh, on, God. On, on stuff. Yeah. I want to know. I have to know this as a huge fan. Were you really on Scrubs? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Okay. Fun fact, I did a lot of extra work. I've yeah. been in a lot of music videos. Um, I did some TV stuff. And I'm actually working on a short film script with Nick Peterson, my my music video director. Uh, but regardless, I yeah, I did all that. And I, I was an extra on date night. I did some TV nice. stuff. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what episode of that you were on by any chance? Even as an extra? Yeah, <laughs> Scrubs. Scrubs, that was it's, so long ago. It's been a minute, I know, yeah. The show's been done for like a called, decade. I think it's called My Jerks. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm looking that up later. <laughs> I tried to look up, uh, see if there's a clip, and I, I couldn't find it. Please, anything. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but thank you, uh, Dorothy, for being so vulnerable and encouraging in the music. As Dan mentioned, we like to say for anyone who's struggling, the world is better with you in it. And to listeners, if you find yourself doubting that, uh, go listen to Gifts from the Holy Ghost. Listen to some of Dorothy's other interviews. There was one with Matt Pinfield and you. I was actually just before we came on, I was about halfway through a really good conversation you did with uh, on going there with Dr. Mike. So there's some great encouragement and, and it'll really speak to you. So thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much. You too. You too. Thank you very much. Bye. So that was our conversation with Dorothy. Yeah, I just want to thank her again for her time. Truly appreciate um, her coming on the show. And just how vulnerable she allows herself to be. It really reminds me a lot of Eva Marie. And Mm -hmm. we think that they would make great buddies uh, because they they both seem to kind of have been through struggles and, and come out through the other side. Yes, that was one thing if we had more time that I was definitely going to bring up. So if you're listening, Dorothy, call our buddy, Eva Marie. She would, you guys would make great best friends probably. Yes. <laughs> and Dorothy and Eva under fire would be a great tour pairing as well. Oh yes. Yes. Agreed. Yes, it would. Yeah. If, if we had more time to do more rapid fire questions, that was going to be a personal collaboration that I want to see. Yes. There you go. Dorothy and, and Eva. That's so. Casey's dream collaboration for, <laughs> for Dorothy. With yes. with maybe some rival sons. No, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure? Throw it in there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but um definitely one thing that I did want to touch on. She's very humble again, but almost to a almost to a humble to a fault, as they say. Yes, yes. And I just wanted to kind of if again, if we had more time, I wanted to tell her like how good she was, which we we did say a little bit at the be- at the beginning of the interview, but it and, and I've seen other interviews where she kind of doubts herself and and says things, but but she's really good. <laughs> I think anybody that has a stage like that is going to have those moments of of insecurity, or you hear a lot about like imposter syndrome, yeah, where it's like other people that do this know what they're doing, and I have no idea, and it's kind of like we're all realistically just winging it and hoping that we do well as stuff right and so she absolutely has both the talent and the realness like the sincerity yes to back up what she's singing up there and it it comes across great both live and in studio and i want to say that she is amazing in every way she's an amazing singer amazing artist great songwriter I can't stress that enough, but that's part of the illness. And, you know, I can speak to that myself because you just have these demons, these, you know, as she calls them, you know, demons that um, just always are trying to pull you back. And regardless of how, you know, what you think of yourself, there are always days where those demons are going to be louder than, than the positive things. And so 
that's one reason why I, you know, I was glad that I got to thank her for that at the end, because as somebody that has gone through that personally, it's always easier to get through that when there's something that you can relate to that helps you get through that. Or if you have, like she mentions in a couple of other interviews, you know, if you have that correct support system in place to make sure that you um, always have somebody to fall back on um, and, and, you know, to rely on or to help you get through any kind of situation uh, or, um, you know, mental uh, relapse, so to speak. And it really sounds like she is intentional about surrounding herself with people who are good for her, which is kind of a little subtle theme I picked up on. Like she's mentioned, I forget if it was actually in this conversation or just other ones I was listening to, but she's mentioned having a sponsor that is really good for her. She mentioned that Sam, her guitarist, just praised how great of a person he was to be around. She talked about like Keith Wallen, who she worked with on the album, who who has I've heard other people say similar things about how great he is. And some of that's in a professional sense. But I, I, I kind of get the impression that it's in an interpersonal sense as well. Well, the way that she say, said it in, in this tone is like, you know, she was in a very dark place and he kind of almost saved her in, in the mm-hmm. sense that like she was really dreading having to work on this album, but he almost walked her through it. And I think you had mentioned this off air, but because of, uh, you know, just the story that she said, it really makes us want to try to reach out to Mr. Wallen and see if uh, we could pry it more into his uh, creative process, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So kudos to her for putting herself in that better environment that that allows her to be more successful and, I don't know, safer, for lack of a better word. And, and you know, she's one. Of, she's so humble that she's one of those people. And I think almost everybody we've interviewed, I felt like this, but there's just certain people that you just so feel strongly for that you just want them to be successful. You just want mm-hmm. all the successes in the world for them, like, uh, and everything that, you know, hopefully comes along with that. She's definitely one of those people. And it, and just talking to her is kind of uh, helps you realize that, and, that she's just a good person. Yeah. And one thing that we... I don't know that we would have necessarily talked talked about this in the interview. We Aaron and I were going back and forth as we were doing prep, but just last year's top twenty on our countdown, it was top heavy with female fronted acts, and this year it's possibly going to do the same thing. And definitely, gifts from the Holy Ghost is going to be pretty high up on our list. Even though we haven't made the list officially yet, but uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling it's it's going to be rather high. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. This really felt like a, a unique type of conversation we got to have here. We've had some plenty of, of um, very personable and vulnerable open guests, but I think she really takes it to another level by describing both the things that she's gone through and the things that have gotten her through it and doesn't shy away at all really from either of them. And so being able to touch on those elements of her spirituality and how that impacts um, how she lives and this the whole vibe of, of just connecting with people on stage, connecting with people with other artists. And she kind of mentioned sort of being like prompted internally to do a certain things or to say a certain thing. Um, I just find that really fascinating and an angle that you don't hear about quite quite often enough from from the rock world. Yeah, definitely. So it was a cool, unique perspective she had that I really enjoyed hearing. So one thing that we also didn't get to really mention during the interview, but we definitely want to uh, call attention to, she recently released a her cover, live cover of the Eurythmics 
sweet dreams. And Dan and I can attest that she killed that live. Yes, it was amazing. And I'm glad that she released it on uh, all of her socials. Yeah. That's foreshadowing for next week's episode, isn't it? Yes, it is. All right. I love a little <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> they also just released a music video for Black Sheep. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm truly excited about that single. I mean, it's getting played all over the radio, um, and I, I love the video. Uh, my kids love that song, and, you know, it's it's funny because one of the lyrics are, you know, we are blood, we are family. And my four-year-old son sometimes amazes me in the sense that I don't think that he picks up certain things, but then all of a sudden he screams, Black sheep, we are blood, we are family. I'm like, whoa. Dude, you got it a little wrong. It's blood, not love, but you know, right. Uh, and he's like, he, he wants to be a rock star. His name is Jacoby. And like, this dude is all about the rock star life at four years old. He's um, a four year old rock star. Yeah. He, Cause every concert we go to, he's like, can I go? I'm like, no, dude, you're four. Like, <laughs> that's that. There's your thing right there. We talked after the Taipei Houston interview about, your boys, they need to be in a band. They need to get along with each other. Have him keep rocking that song until he's got it into his head that you got to stick with the family. You got to. Yes. These are your people. <laughs> him and his, his brother. <laughs> right, right, right. They got to quit beating each other up just because they're in the same room together. <laughs> so definitely check out that album. Gifts from the Holy Ghost. Check out those videos for Sweet Dreams and for Black Sheep. Dorothy's currently scheduled to be a little quiet on the live show front so if you didn't see the dirty honey tour sorry until next year largely they'll be doing some stuff starting about february but it looks like they're probably taking the holidays off they do have one show on december 8th if you happen to be in or around wisconsin you can see them at the extreme razor fan bash with the violent and crowbot and we are fans of that lineup that is a nasty little little three-part lineup right there yep yeah, agreed. We spoke to Mike Prodich of The Violent in a previous episode that you can look up, and those guys are pretty sick. And Crowbot's definitely been on our radar. They put out a nice album this year, too. So definitely, definitely check it out if you get the chance, or just listen to the album. You won't be disappointed. You will not. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening to The Itch. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, don't let the demons get you down. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about The Itch. Check out the show notes for links about the episode, as well as our new music playlist and where you can hear us every Sunday night. And you can interact with us at itchrocks.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. And a quick shout out in there, because I remember her in another interview also mentioning that performance at Rockville that they were following Teenage Wrist. Yeah. And she she mentioned that Teenage Wrist killed it and then she instantly fell in love with them. I really wish I could have mentioned this to her during the show. But Dorothy, if you're listening to this, you have excellent taste. <laughs> Teenage Wrist <Teenage laughs> Wrist album was one of my absolute favorites of last year. Yeah. So just a quick name drop of them because they they also rule. So <laughs>